because I didn't so much dig into the very specific details. I was more interested in the horrible idea of the statements being untrue. To me, it sounds like these people are just straight up lying in court. You know? Yeah. It makes me worried. Makes me worried for everyone in Idaho. Agree. You know. And corruption, it, it spreads. It spreads. In police, it's like a virus. It spreads really quick. But let us know. Hello, hello, everybody. I'll give people a couple minutes to come on in. Hello, hello. Why does it keep popping up there? I don't know. I want Apple Podcasts. Weird. Okay, whatever. I will just use that one. What is going on, everybody? Hello, hello. Yes, this is the live one. The live one. Just waiting for some people to hop on over. Are you guys like Did you guys joking? Skateboard. About yeah. this being live for real? Is it that confusing? Look at that. Gosh, you don't have to hit me in the head with it. Awesome. All right. I'm just going to talk like this for the rest of the night. That works. <laughs> I just haven't mounted it yet, but isn't it cool? I like it. Super cool. I think it is too. All right, everybody. Oh, I probably should have made it bigger so everyone could see it better. There. My skateboard guitar. Awesome. I think, uh, I wonder if people think that we just put the skateboard back there to, uh, I don't know. Why would a skateboard be back there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> why Why would you have a skateboard if you didn't use it? I'm just trying to wonder. And plus, that, that other escape, skateboard's an expensive one. 
expensive hardware. But uh, all right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. We just got done watching the Idaho 4 corruption, Tyler Rambo corruption, Idaho State Police, uh, and Idaho 4. Um, While you're going over this, I just have a few things to send you about the Ellington case. Yeah, for when for we sure. talk about that. Yeah, no, we're we're going to talk about yesterday's video. Uh, we're also going to talk about tonight's video and really dig into actual proven corruption. I mean, uh, it, it and you know, I found some in, interesting info on the Ellington case too. Did you know that cop that lied had command come out like? 12 months after and said that he didn't lie yeah i know I, we have we'll talk about it we'll yeah go into it. yeah it that is just wild talk about systemic corruption and corruption all the way up the chain that's scary stuff man it, it's that idea that i've been wondering from the beginning are they just trying to buy time and wait so they so they hope people stop paying attention to it and get bored and then they're gonna like slip it under the table you know what i mean i don't know yeah me neither but anyways welcome everybody to the true crime talk show brought to you by thought riot podcast you can find it on all major podcast provide why is this not is this what hang on i'm failing at the moment I think that was a different browser, so it wasn't pulling up. There we go. All right. All right, there we go. Yeah, here we go. So, the True Crime Talk Show brought to you by Thought Riot Podcast. And uh, you can find us on any major podcast platform. This is this show right here. And then our main show, the one that gets the most of the views, the one that is top five in multiple countries, is Thought Riot, the True Crime and Criminal Culture Podcast. So check it out. If you have a minute, hop on there. Give us a rating. Give us a comment. It helps us get seen. Hey, what's going on, Art of Deduction? How are you doing? And hello, everybody. I think most of the people that are in here were uh, watching the premiere. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, we'll get right into it. What are we going to start first? Or are you finishing sending that stuff? Uh, we can go into Ellington first if you want. I think I'm yeah. done. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. We can start with one that said uh, one that is fresh in everyone's minds, or we can start work backwards. It doesn't matter. Uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll just do this one first and then go into Ellington because you're still sending that. Um, I'm done. OK, well, the uh, Tyler Rambo case is insane. Absolutely insane. You know, I reached out to his mom hoping that she would give me mm -hmm. some info and she hasn't gotten back to me yet. But as soon as she does, I'll update everyone on that. Um, but, uh, you know, her her comment is 
that it had to do with race, that it was all white cops, every single one of them there. And they saw a black kid with a gun and they, uh, you know, loaded him with bullets. Now, would I love to go with the race card in that situation? Sure, because it gets a whole bunch of attention. Um, however, if I'm being honest and objective, I don't think it's about race. I think it's more than that because uh, we have evidence of other cases showing that they treat everybody exactly the same. Essentially, what I'm seeing is if you're not a police officer or I don't know you on a first name basis, I'm going to get you if you're in my way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just don't think it was about race. I think that a mistake was made. And the mistake was they were too heavy on their trigger fingers. I, okay, I, I believe he fired one round. I don't know when that round was fired. Uh, I don't know if it was when he was getting jumped and in a fear for his life and shot one in the air, or if he just pulled out the gun and everyone backed off of him and there's the real shot happened when he was getting tased. I don't know. I I don't know. That was confusing. It, I I couldn't really tell. There's this one part where when he's either just starting to get tased or um maybe you should play the video. Well, explain it. What are you talking about? But so like I he just, I he turns around, like okay? Times. He's got he's got the gun in his hand, okay? And he's turning around to surrender and he's got his hands up and then he brings one hand down a little bit that has the gun in it. And I feel like when he's bringing it down, he could be pulling the trigger. I just, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. But if you guys didn't watch a video, it would probably be helpful to see. Man. Um, it here and now. Hang on. What's wrong? It's not letting me share these and I don't. Idaho only has 1.5% people of color. Wow. Yeah. That's a crazy statistic. It, it's Idaho and Iowa. Are the lowest percentage? Yeah. And and look, you guys, like I said, I'm I'm not afraid to have the conversation on race uh, at all. It doesn't bother me at all. I'll talk about it all day long. But in this situation, I don't think it's race related just because of the other cases that we've seen in that area. Now, the case that you have is not only in Idaho, but all these cases seemingly come from zone one. Idaho is broken up into multiple zones. I'll pull that up in a little bit, but uh, it's zone one, which includes Core de Lane and Officer Tolson. And all of these cases are from zone one. So is it zone one that's an issue? Well, I mean, any of the cases that we've seen come out of Western Idaho, I haven't seen any issues with. Have you? Like, 
I haven't seen any problems at all, really, with the Western Idaho cases. It's almost all Eastern Idaho when it, you hear exactly. about something wrong. So. Exactly. And that's what that's what I just don't understand here, bro. I don't know. Yeah. Why. We'll let you know when it's about to play well, um, there, so that you there guys... There is no violence. There is no violence. I mean, it's... It, there's not there's you not can't, anything you can't see any gore or anything you can't see any guns except for the gun in tyler rambo's hand um you really only see his body fall and you don't see blood or actually like bullets or anything um you just see him getting hit it's it's a pretty low quality you don't video see him get hit so he never gets shot in there in that video never what he falls to the ground you yeah said that's as he... not from being shot though all every single time he got shot were in his legs he was already on the ground when he was being shot there is no violence none zero he didn't get shot in that nope, video so they not. walked up to him and then shot him no you're acting like all this can't happen in a tenth of a second all of this can happen That's in a tenth of a second, but no, he hit the ground because he got hit with a taser. I he was know never that. shot in the video. Not a single bullet hit him. And that's part of the reason why we know it's corrupt because they don't show the jury the part where they're shooting him. Why would you not do that when what's in question is whether this is a fair shooting or not? You know what I mean? Okay. What? We'll just watch it, but I that's weird then. Like even weirder than I thought the first time. Uh, yeah. Thanks, J. Ray. It is very, very, very strange. I think I got it figured out here. I don't know what all this extra stuff is on the screen though. I don't have whatever this is, IQ thing. Okay. Make it theater mode. Okay, here we go, you guys. I'm going to actually slow it down here. Good idea. That might be too slow. Yeah, increase the quality as high as it can go. Yeah, it says auto, but I... Yeah, there. Okay. Look, this just looks like a kid. Whoa, what is going on here? Okay. Look, to me, both hands are going down. You don't go to shoot someone like this. You go to lay down like that. No, his hands are up. No, they're going down right there. Yeah, I'm meaning they're out still. Look, going down. Hands up. Palms okay. showing. I don't... He was getting tased right there. Yep, that that <laughs> is tased. And that is him going backwards his knees buckling and that's all the video they show 
So where where were you confused with him getting shot? He got shot 14 times from an unknown amount of officers. Once he's on the ground with his legs facing the officers, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is so wrong. I don't know how a jury could convict him of anything in this. I don't understand. They how, waited. They first shot they him till he hit the ground and then shot him. How could the judge allow them not to show the full body cam? I I don't know. I don't understand. I don't get it. It literally doesn't make sense. And this goes back to the Idaho Ford. Like these are very similar tactics and things that we're seeing where they're doing things like just hiding footage. Yeah, there's no shooting in this CH or anybody else that was worried about it. The no shots are fired in nothing. this. Nothing. There is literally nothing. He in just it. gets tased. And you can't even tell except for his body. I'd I'd I don't think you were that clear with me in the video because I thought at the end he got started getting shot. Look, his hands are already up, gun in the air, away from everyone, hands up, goes to goes to get on the ground. Bam, tased and then loaded with bullets. Dude, he's literally knocked out. They should be able to tell he's knocked out. I agree, man. I agree. I don't understand it. And when you look, look, look at his knees. He's going to get down on the ground. Watch his knees. He starts to get down right here, going to get down. Bam. So shady, so shady. That is the shadiest thing that even if it was a mistake, they covered it up and then they and I mean, obviously, that's a heck of a mistake, but yeah, then they don't admit to officer. They don't admit to it and then they cover it up and then they charge him. Yeah, that's a multi officer mistake, a multi officer mistake. Yeah, I hear you, Kimberly. I I I said this just a little bit ago. Maybe you weren't in here yet. I do not think this has to do with race. And it, it, I would love for it to be focused on race because right now in our political uh, society and everything, it would get more attention right now just because of the groups that have been put together politically and everything. But however, we're seeing these same tactics on white people, on men on women on this was a brand new fresh 18 year old kid um i mean we're seeing it on everybody we're seeing it happen with brian koberger potentially it looks similar but potentially uh i do not think it has to do with race you're talking I, about the railroading i believe that they are corrupt cops i think what we're seeing here is a very similar situation to what we saw with the baltimore police department and that's why i started with baltimore pd on this week of police corruption because i wanted to give a recent real life example of a police department that had been convicted of these things with these tactics. Now, using the Baltimore PD in the similar fashion to what we're seeing here, every time they made a mistake, like the guy who got into an accident when 
the dispatch said, hey, you guys need to back off. You're not allowed to be in a high-speed chase. He turns off the radio, continues the chase, and they end up killing someone. Somebody shows up with dope and helps fix the problem. All right, now let's look at this. That was the, in the Baltimore? That was in Baltimore. Now, look at this situation. Tolson wasn't there. They were shouting at this kid, uh, all their adrenaline elevated, and somebody tases him while all these other cops have live weapons out, and they tased him with a gun in the hands. It, maybe a shot went off. Maybe it didn't. It doesn't matter, in my opinion. They're, they're supposed to be expert police officers, and they should be aware. They should have situational awareness. Um, and they after he hits the ground backwards, Okay. After he hits the ground, like a log backwards, they load him with 14 bullets. They shoot him 14 times to the point where his legs cannot be saved. He has them removed at the hips. Now, like in the Baltimore accident case, they realized after the fact, oh man, I'm in trouble here. So you know what they do? They, they say their life was in danger and he shot at them. And they set up the situation to prove that he shot at him. Because remember, when the gun was found, there was only one spent casing, shot casing. And then they claim that they found another one somewhere in the field. And what's interesting, you guys, is he was using a revolver. A revolver does not shoot casings out. It does not eject casings. They stay in the gun. You can click through all of them, all six of them, and all casings stay in the gun. It is impossible, absolutely impossible for that casing to go out in the crime scene somewhere. So who put it there? Just like Baltimore, who put the dope in the car to make it an okay killing? Who put the casing in the crime scene to make it an okay shooting? Tolson wasn't there at the crime, but he was there for the case. He was there during the investigation, and he's the one who claims that there was another casing found in the field. And he found the gun, supposedly, in the police officer's car. Yes, he and and I don't think he meant to do this, but I started reading all the uh, claims and statements on this case, okay? And here, let me see if I can pull this one up. Just to give you guys an example of like the progression that I saw when I was researching this case, okay? White said officers told Rambo to drop his gun at least 15 times during the chase, and he refused. At one point, Rambo stopped, and officers used a taser on him. Rambo then leveled his weapon horizontally, firing one shot, then officers opened fire at him. Okay. So here's an updated one. Police said Rambo, who was 18 years old at the time, waved a gun and fired around before pointing a gun toward police. 
Yeah, that never happened. No. Neither one of them ever happened. No. If you just watch the same body cam we did. And the very first statement I found, which I, I should have saved it and I didn't, um, and I didn't have the time to log into the Statesman. If you guys have a Statesman account, it's in the Statesman. But um, the very first police statement where media shows up on scene, one of the officers say that Rambo fired two shots at the officers. Sounds like none of them got their story straight. No, they didn't. It's terrifying. I don't understand what's going on here. Like, I don't. It's a cover up. It. It's a cover up. I understand it's a cover up. Okay. But, like, I get that. But this, at this scale, it's surprising, is what I'm getting at. The amount of officers involved, it's surprising, is what I'm getting at. You have. Officers showing up who are bringing spent round, uh, shot rounds uh, or casings. I'm sorry. You have uh, an officer, who, Tolson, who shows up in court and makes a statement to the court saying that. Um, where is it? Hang on. So I can have it right. Okay. You have Tolson showing up in court saying essentially the amount of pounds to pull that trigger back was impossible to happen from a body convulsion. That That's had to so have shady, intention. Dude. Yeah. And and what he said is a lie. So he went on he went on stand and said that this gun specifically required 10.5 pounds of force to pull that gun back. He proceeds to say that if you pick up a gallon of milk, that weighs between six and eight pounds, and it's more than that. That is a lie. I, I've i never seen a gun in my life. That takes that 10 requires, pounds of pressure. Yes. Yeah, something's no wrong way. with the gun. The gun is flawed. It's either rusted or something's wrong with it because an average gun takes between four and six. And that's on the high side. That is on the high side. Now, I will. I will admit that traditionally revolvers tend to have more require more pounds of pressure to pull back the trigger than uh, a regular semi Glock, whatever. Um, but nowhere near 10 pounds. It's normally half that. Normally half that. Is hey. it not insane? Hey, AR. Good to see you and thank you. Hey. Um, it is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, it, it takes me back to Elling, the Ellington case um, where Fred Rice lied on the stand claiming there's no such thing as an average reaction time dude i know that that doesn't exist even though it's in his own curriculum that he wrote that he teaches <laughs> and he has literally claimed the exact opposite in other cases when he was on the stand um i think what we were talking about in that video like why are we having officers talk like experts about science exactly like That's why another concern. why are they experts on the stand that shouldn't be allowed and they should maybe be able to give a witness statement to a situation they were in but dude expert no and get this okay so this is even crazier and i've never heard this before 
So when uh, Tolson went on the stand for this case, which, number one, I don't know why he went on the stand anyways. He was not present. The only thing that he claims he did is came to support at the scene and found the gun in the back of a police car. That's it. When he found the gun in the back of the police car, he claims it was loaded. Now, if we take a couple steps or let me finish what I was going to say here and then we'll go into that situation. But um, so I don't know why he was on the stand. But while he was on the stand, Tolson makes a an expert statement from a forensic scientist. How is that allowed? That would be like me going in court because we found some kind of crazy evidence or actually you found a bunch of crazy evidence and I went in court and said, yeah, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And then say, yeah, Malia found this. And based on her expert opinion, this is what she says about it. How is that allowed? You got me. He literally is up there on the stand and says, Brittany Wiley, a forensic scientist with the State of Police Forensic Services, said she performed tests to determine the amount of force required to pull the trigger back enough to squeeze off a round. And she said it concluded at 10.5 pounds of pe pressure. What? That's insane. I guess somebody left a comment saying that with it, if it was double action, it might be eight to ten pounds. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. There's something wrong with the gun. I've shot both. Um, it usually is not ten pounds. Well, this says on Google, double action revolver ten to <laughs> ten to fifteen pounds. Single action four to six pounds. So look, let me show you. I don't, I've never shot a double action revolver. That sounds incredibly hard to shoot. Like, really hard to shoot. It's not. It's not. Here, let me find the 357 double action. It was chrome, so let me get the most relics. Okay, this is what he had. exactly pretty much yeah i mean it, it might be a different brand it might be a different whatever um but in in my experience you guys the only time that it's ever over 10 pounds of pressure there's something wrong with the gun there is something wrong with the gun um the i think i think extended barrel 357s have additional pressure required uh, because of the fear of the kickback. But I could be wrong in that. I I hate revolvers, you guys. I despise revolvers. They I know the least about them. Uh, I, I don't choose to shoot them. Uh, I just, yeah. But uh, I would be shocked if it was more than 10 pounds. Well, it also says that double action revolvers normally only shoot double action or it's either single shot or it's double 
And when it's so, a double me, action, when it's a double action, that means it's cocking the gun and dropping the hammer at the same time. Here, I'll show you guys real quick. Yeah, single action, you have to cock it yourself and then pull the trigger. Yep, you guys see this right here. Uh, <laughs> single action and double action all has to do with this right here, this right here. So if uh, if it is a double action, that means you don't have to pull the hammer back before you shoot, okay? And what they were claiming is that he was trying to pull the hammer back when he lowered his arms, and uh, it, it, that doesn't happen. It's easier to pull the hammer back with the gun up than it is down be because of how your thumb is in a hammer. Um, but so double action, sorry. Double action is you don't have to pull this hammer back. You can literally just pull the trigger and it's going to snap the hammer back. Bow, bow, bow. So you have the resistance of the hammer and the trigger. Correct. A, a double action can fire in both. You're right. A double action can be single or double? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's impossible for that not to be So the then case. how do you change? You don't change it. You don't change it. You can either pull the hammer back to the, to the, the click, the hold point, or you can just pull the trigger. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Haven't you ever seen those shows where they hold the trigger and pop, 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 like that? Yeah, that's single action. I, I mean, it can be both. It can still be both. But in those same, why I'm saying that is because that gun doesn't automatically shoot that way. It also can yeah. have the trigger be let go of and the hammer pulled back. Yeah, I understand how a gun works. <laughs> yeah. Well, mo I don't think most people understand that. It's not like we have a bunch of gun experts running around here, and revolvers are actually the least common gun owned. The I'm, most common gun owned is a Glock handgun. Yeah, I'm no expert. I just know how like that works, but I don't. I don't. I didn't know about double and single action really that well. I know the like very minimum basics. <laughs> yeah, there would because I be... I don't think I've ever shot of a revolver. There would. Ugh, it's not even worth it. Revolvers are so uncomfortable. I don't know why they make the handle the way they do. I hate revolvers. I hate everything about them. Absolutely everything about them. They are so heavily. They're heavily. They are so heavy and uh, never accurate. I swear, never accurate. Usually snub nose. Ugh. The only thing that's nice for a revolver is if you have like a, a snub nose uh, twenty. 20 gauge have you ever seen those they're literally like this big and can fit in like the lighter pocket i have seen that you know if you are uh a woman and you want to carry around something that's real small can fit in any bag that gun can you know no it's still tear someone apart Yeah, the I like the kits that you can buy the the sixty percent kits or eighty percent kits, and uh, you can drill them out and have like any gun you want, even all the illegal guns. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, absolutely. Anyways, going back to this. Okay, so I actually should have shared this picture again. Okay, so you guys see this here. I'm just gonna assume we have people watching that don't know about guns, and if you don't, that's okay. You, Unless you have a reason to know information, uh, 
you're not going to know it. And that's one thing that I hope at Thought Riot Podcast that we are good about making everyone feel comfortable uh, talking about things, even if they don't know it, because there's a lot of different situations out there in the world that uh, for whatever reason, people feel like they should know certain information and then are embarrassed to speak up when they don't know it, when they have a valid question. And we hope not to do that. Um, but anyways, going back to this. So the, the casings are right in here. Okay. The bullets are right in here. And as that hammer comes back and, and shoots, this turns to the next bullet. And the casing does not eject. Let me see if I can find a picture of a revolver from the back so I can show you. From the back casings. Okay, that's a good one. All right, so the the bullets always stay in here right here even after they're shot they always stay in here so what's interesting is uh what's interesting is they claim they found five casings and then one showed up later somewhere in the crime scene but in order for that to happen you guys somebody would have to open this right here from the gun open this and pull out one casing and leave the other five in there and close it back up that never happened you saw how how tense that situation was do you think there was time for him to open open up pull out one spent bullet throw it and then close well, it also for no like, reason like what no, but like for what reason anyway? Exactly. There's no reason to do that. Exactly. And that's not the only corrupt statement we have. The cop claims after they shot him 14 times, a officer went up there, grabbed the gun from him, walked over to his car, opened this up that we're looking at right now, dumped the casings on the ground and walked away. What? I've never seen an officer do that in my life. You know, for one, uh, I've been through police officer gun training, okay? Did you know that they're trained to never drop a bullet? And do you want to know why? If you dropped a bullet and that bullet hit just right on the concrete, it can fire and it can fire at a rate fast enough to kill somebody. Just from dropping them. Dang. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is I didn't believe it when they taught me that. And two years later, uh, I I was friends with a guy who, uh, this older dude that owned uh, a shooting range, and I didn't see it happen. But uh, I, I heard something go off while we were there trap shooting. And he comes over and he dropped a, a, a round on the ground and it shot through his earlobe while I was there. So, yeah, I wish I would have seen it. Well, he got I didn't lucky. see it. it got, he got lucky it didn't go in his face. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. 
it just perfectly went through his earlobe? No, not perfectly. I he he had a rag on it. And I was like, what's going on? He just got shot. So it's not like he took time to stop and like, oh, hey, Brendan, let me show you my ear. No, it, he was like, look, and kept like, we're walking. And he looked, showed me and kept walking. And I just, I still had clay, clay pigeons to shoot. So <laughs> you didn't help him. I didn't go with him. No, there was already like three people following him, but. I talked to him later after, after he already had a Band-Aid on it. So honestly, I don't know like what it did. I never saw the wound other than too much blood to tell what was going on. Oh. Yeah. But the whole moral of that story is I've literally had a situation where a casing was dropped and it went off. At least enough to go through an ear. So my whole point to that was cops are trained in that. They are trained in that. They take the exact same gun training course that I went through. That's one way to stretch a gauge, right? Right. Or just lose your earlobe. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so anyways, going back to what I was saying, um, the cop wouldn't have dropped those shells or the casings on the ground. They wouldn't have dropped the casings. It would not have happened. The, you just said the cops wouldn't have? Yeah. That's what the cop claimed he did. Remember? The oh, cop picked oh. up the gun. Oh, yeah. From Tyler Rambo after he they shot him it. 14 times. And he emptied it on the ground. Dropped him on the ground. One safety hazard they wouldn't have done that two he's not controlling the evidence at that point three he's creating a hazard because this is at a park i don't know where it's at in the crime scene but you're tainting the evidence you're creating a hazard there were hundreds of people there in that park and you're just leaving casings on the ground for anybody like i just i doubt it i don't believe it even not looking at the Rambo situation, like there's something well, wrong you, with that decision yeah, alone. Yeah. Even if he did do that, that shows like crazy incompetence Ex to do something like that. So he may have done it. It just shows how much of an idiot he is. I don't think he did it. I think that they had to, sh I think they had to prove a situation where they were not in control of the shells to make the random ghost casing fit the narrative because one of two things happen either tyler rambo never shot in the air and he was getting jumped and used the gun to scare people away therefore the cops approached him too too aggressive in that case or two he never got shocked and popped a shot off where the police then would have been too aggressive again they their only option was to have a situation where their aggression for pulling out their guns in the first place was their lives were in jeopardy they had to say he fired a shot in the beginning and then in order to justify shooting him 14 times they had to prove that their lives were in jeopardy at that point too their only option was to say that he shot the gun twice do you think this could be a situation where you know 
how we were talking about the training um in that video that we watched that the lady was sitting there spinning the gun and the cops didn't shoot her the cops in training didn't shoot her and she wasn't holding the gun she was just spinning it on the table with her finger and they got in trouble by their training officers saying as soon as that gun spun around and was pointed at you for that split second you should have shot her yeah uh do you think this is a, a situation where he was falling and the gun pointed at them and they shot without even thinking because it was trained into them to do that? Like, oh, the gun's pointing at us. Time to shoot. And then they realized, well, actually, we were in the middle of tasing him and he never fired a shot. So we better say he did. Yeah, I I don't because know which one it is. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But the one single thing that I do know is that he was clearly unconsciously falling backwards when they lit him up with rounds. So regardless, regardless, either you have a whole ton of incompetent cops that have zero situational awareness because tasers, all tasers are yellow with intention. They're, they're yellow so that people can see them easily and, and people know what's going on for situational awareness. The cops had zero situational awareness. And after the one hit him with the taser, I don't know what those other cops are doing. I have no idea. No idea. But what's interesting is, you know, another individual got arrested that night. Who? I I don't know because the cops wouldn't let this information come back, come out. Just like they wouldn't let the uh, jury see the full video of the Rambo case. That's super messed up that they didn't show the full footage. So I don't believe any of this story whatsoever. Oh, it's right here. Okay. Did you give a brief overview of why he was at the park with the gun? Just in the live for people who didn't see the premiere? Um, I didn't. Do you remember? Um, well, I remember that there was like a group of kids that had jumped him he thought they might be at this 4th of July celebration, um, and he was afraid, so he took his mother's gun, right, yep. to protect himself, and lo and behold, the kids were there, and then he they got into an altercation, basically, and he fired a shot in the air to scare them off. Um, now the cop story is different that well, the cops say he fired a shot in the air. Rambo never said that we, we do not have a statement other than him apologizing for scaring people at the park. So he never gave a statement. He, he never said whether he shot or not. I mean, dude, he went under the knife immediately after that and lost his legs. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't remember a lot. So he did an interview behind the glass. Um, he, uh, we don't know where the shot happened. We have no idea. Hmm. But this is happening simultaneously, you guys, that uh, well, he's being shot. 
Oh, but the breakdown. Yeah. So uh, he had been jumped and jumped pretty badly just before the 4th of July event. And uh, and that's why he was carrying that gun just for personal safety. Yeah. And the cops say he fired a shot and then pointed the gun at one of the girlfriend's heads. Correct. But we don't know that for sure. We don't know what the truth is. What he took off running, and then he took off running to get away from them. At that time, police pursued him. Her police story or official story is that they asked him over fifteen times to get down on the ground and drop the gun. uh, At which time we see that encounter there, uh, where he got shocked, was falling backwards, unconscious. After he was unconscious, after they shocked him, they shot him 14 times. And we see nothing else. Nobody saw that additional body cam footage, which in my opinion already is sus. That's already suspect. Already. Nobody's ever seen that body cam footage. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's illegal. Yeah, it makes me want to request it. You can't. Why? Because they made the higher up dude made some kind of statement that uh, said that that footage can never be uh, released. Never. So this is going on at the same time. This is where he got shot right back here. That's what I'm saying. Like there is something going on here. They are blatantly uh, breaking laws. What are we looking at? A doc. This is where the encounter happens right here. This is during that is right over here. Who is that guy? We don't know. Nobody ever makes a statement on this. So what is I don't understand what is this video showing? Just what's going on in the background or that guy? Watch. This is in Coeur d'Alene, right? Mm. Yes? Mm. Yeah, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Gun gets pulled out. People are running. At a park. During the 4th of July. Look. What's in his hand? Is that a hat? Kind of looks like a hat. But... What, that guy running gets arrested? Why aren't you playing the sound? I don't remember if there was music behind it. I didn't check. Look. What's in his hand right there? Do you see that? Doesn't that look like a gun? I don't know. You don't see that? I see something in his hand. I don't know what it is. And it's he's he's holding it up higher than and they cut out the rest of the video again. 
No, it's not. It's not the same guy. Uh, it's going on at the same time. Rambo's same getting time. shot. Yep, the same time, and police are arresting this guy. But we never hear what this is. So why is this guy getting arrested? Was Tyler Rambo? He's getting arrested right there. Yeah. Was Tyler Rambo actually in fear for his life because somebody else had a weapon? I don't know. I don't know the details. I think that this is a very clear case that they're not letting out any. What'd that cop just pick up? Something. And he gave it to that officer. This is a very clear case that they are not letting any information out that could go against their storyline or make anybody question the storyline. And that's problematic. That is what we're theorizing is a possibility in the Idaho 4 case. Right? So what does it say about it in this video? It doesn't say anything. Nothing. You're asking for questions that they don't give. This video was submitted as, here's another angle for the Tyler Rambo shooting. However, in this video, we see somebody else that got arrested that doesn't have anything to do with uh, the shooting. Right. That's it. That right. is all we get. Sure. Nothing to do with it. And then you get the magic casing found. You have Tolson come and make claims and make an official statement in court even though he wasn't there and wasn't present why i have no clue but to me i smell corruption yeah we're not getting the whole story on this case this is a problem and his mom literally came out and said that the uh the body cam footage would show that he was innocent and then they don't play the whole thing in court to the jurors they yep. literally cut it off right when they're shooting him. Like, if he's flat on the ground. No, no, no. Not just not to the jurors. Nobody's allowed right, to see it. Right. They hid it. They buried it. That's insane. Insane. Crazy. So... Look, for anyone that didn't already see it, look how cool the skateboard is. All right. Immortalized. This is going to be my new skate deck. Cool, huh? I got to go to the bathroom. So I saw um, P. Fox ask if I had ever looked up how many people have been shot by police in Idaho. And um, it says it's not giving me the total number here. But it is telling me 128 people have been killed by police since the year 2000. And nearly two-thirds of that number were white. But there is no other data. Like, they don't break it down into race whatsoever. Just that two-thirds were white. 
the overwhelming majority, uh, 94% were men. The average age of the people killed by police was 33. I don't know if that's higher than the national average or not. Yeah, so how they ended up handling this is they charged him with attempted murder for shoot for saying he shot in the air, which is why I think he did shoot in the air, and I don't think he shot at the cops because of that magic shell casing. What? I think that he shot in the air. And that's why they tried to get him for attempted murder and assault. Uh, both of those were dropped. And then they charged him with uh, three counts of assaulting a peace officer because he fired a gun, they claim. But the thing is, is he fired it while he was being shocked, if he even did. So imagine being him and losing your legs at the hip, catching 10 years. For maybe not ever firing the gun. Do you think this is a... Okay, I just started thinking about it. Because the whole gun pointing at them still doesn't make sense in my head. So I was thinking, do you think it's possible that one of the officers got spooked when he went to fall with the gun in his hand and thought he was going to shoot them? Maybe it was like somebody who was fresh, like, you know, newbie. 14 shots. And... When he shot, the other officer started shooting, thinking it was him. I don't know. Like, it just triggered a reaction in all of them. And then they went and checked the gun. They're like, oh, my gosh, he never shot. I, I don't know. I think that it's very, 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 very likely. Um, yeah, he pled not guilty. There was a trial, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the re like, how it all happened, in my opinion isn't what's important it's the fact that it happened at all nothing in my opinion justifies him getting shot 14 times after he's fallen backwards yeah but he also lost his legs at the hips so they might three assaults on a police officer gets you 10 years yeah is yeah, yeah but they gave him the minimum i would assume i mean they they take so you you always have a range, okay? I had I knew somebody that got assault on a peace officer uh for just fighting with a cop. Um and uh and he only got a warning. Not not like he caught mm. charges, but he had to be on probation. Probation. Yeah, and he lost his legs. But I bet if you had a whole a whole rap sheet of charges and then you got assault on a peace officer, they probably wouldn't be lenient. You're probably going to catch definite time. I mean, 10 years but seems like California. a lot. 10 years seems like so much. 10 years seems like a lot. And it's really unfair. Uh, I don't, I doubt him even shooting. I really, really do. And the reason why I even showed this footage right here is because this makes me feel like this is another situation where it's another story. There's something else going on here. There was uh, a fight, and uh, they he was never running from the cops to begin with. Maybe he was running from the guys, 
and the cops made it sound like he was running from him. Then he went to comply with commands and a cop shot him at, with the taser as he's complying with commands. And he never shot, but the cops did. Oh, That's what I'm wondering. Cynthia, he didn't aim the gun at them. I don't know if you were here for when we watched the video, but he had his hands up in the air and he was going to surrender and then somebody tased him. So he falls he backwards. Because like when you when you get tased, your arms and everything kind of curl up. And as he's like he falls, you can see that. And then the body cam stops. And that's when they start shooting him once he's literally like fallen um, on the ground. And yeah. he sh they're sh they shot him four time. 14 times while he was on the ground. Um, and when that body cam footage stops, that that's all the jury got to see. They wouldn't even show the jury where they shot him they wouldn't show anyone it's completely yeah and totally hidden that's what brendan said it's like it's buried that the public can't even get here it. i'll show it one more time you guys <laughs> here we go look that's him right here i'll even slow it down there's no shots fired in this video just somebody getting tased He brought this gun there to protect himself from bullies, basically. And is he being a, a jerk here? Absolutely. He's being just a stuck-up little punk kid uh, and acting tough and not complying to commands. But he does end up complying to commands. So regardless of how long, you know, they could have tacked on another charge for... what What's that nuisance charge or whatever? Or... Uh, evading police or something like that but it, i don't think anything warrants him getting shot 14 times look going to give up knees going down shock yeah that right there when his arms Bro. are like this like at his sides he's already tased and yep. falling he's falling backwards tased it, he unconscious ne he never aimed at them he got tased and then he got shot 14 times on his back with his head away from the cops how he's supposed to shoot at cops with his head away from them i mean can can you help me understand that well it's i don't understand it this is such an issue mm-hmm such a problem right and even if it's graphic the jury should have seen it the ju juries in murder cases see crime scene photos okay <laughs> like they see the graphic stuff uh usually they don't let the public see it but the jury should absolutely be able to see it yeah and it should be uh foia allowed yeah it should it should in my opinion but uh anyways i i hope this gives you guys a better understanding of tolson who uh was under oath in this and uh lied in my opinion to the court to help smooth this over because they did something horrible here and uh this is just one more case to add on to the fact that 
I think it's a very, very, very likely chance that ISP is dirty, is corrupt, and why they were such an important role in the Idaho 4 case is terrifying, in my opinion. And it's interesting that Moscow, the Idaho 4 case, wasn't in Zone 1. I believe it was in Zone 2 or 3, but Tolson was one of the leading decision makers from a different zone uh, in ISP, and I believe that's because of his connection with Officer Payne to continue this evidence of doubt, why we should doubt that case, why I think the pro there's problems there. And we'll move into your video that we watched yesterday. But if you guys didn't get a chance to this watch one right here to watch the premiere, definitely go watch it. Yeah. Yep. So yesterday's video was about the Jonathan Ellington case, which was um, a case that Ann Taylor had. She was uh, Ellington's public defender and she exposed police corruption. She exposed uh, Corporal Fred Rice as a liar like straight up a liar. So if you if you didn't see that video, I suggest watching it, but just to give you a quick rundown, Mr. Ellington got into essentially a game of cat and mouse with these two young Larson girls. Um one was 18, one was 22, I think. I think. Um and he said they were playing cat and mouse with him. Uh, he gets in front of them at some point, they stop at a light and he gets out of the car. He pounds on their window and yells at them. And then he gets back in his car and he drives away. And yeah, that was a really crappy thing for an adult man to do to two young girls. Um, super, super crappy. Does he, does he admit he does that? Yeah. Is this all like an agreed? Yeah. Okay. He admits he did that. Okay. Um, but then they call 911 and they start chasing him despite the 911 dispatcher saying, stop, stop chasing him. But he didn't have license plates on his blazer. So they continue to pursue, like pursue him. Well, he ends up like getting out of their range basically. And so they stop and pull over because they can't find him. They can't follow him anymore. And they call their parents. And then their parents come and start looking for him. And so does an officer. Well, the officer leaves to investigate. The parents are looking around. And I guess them and their daughters in two separate cars are looking for him. And then they see him pull out of a driveway and they all start chasing him. And he's going like a hundred miles an hour to get away from them. So two cars behind him, him a hundred miles an hour and two cars that are not police. Nobody is law enforcement in this high speed chase behind him. Right. And they're chasing him. Um, and then they get into a situation where the, um, the parents try to block him in basically. And the father who was driving starts saying that he testified inconsistently. At one point he said he was trying to block Ellington from hitting his girls. At another point he said he was trying to block him in to wait for police to come. We don't know the truth because 
he lied one of those times. We just don't know. Or maybe it was both, but he described it differently. I don't know. So, um, we're, yeah, we're, I am looking into Ann Taylor's cases. This one I think is important. Um, it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, but anyway, especially going into, I have more on ISP after this, you guys, I have even more that I've dug up, uh, about another case that kind of reminds me of this. But, um, anyway, so there's this situation where they're trying to block him in. Okay. And, he hits some kind of snowbank. He's trying to get out of it. And he his tire rolls up on the girl's the hood of the car. And he's trying to speed away. And um, the father gets out of his car with a gun and goes over the, the passenger side door and shoots it at him. And then the mom is running across the street to get to the girls and he's ellington's trying to take off a gun was just fired at him and she's right in the way and he hits her and she dies uh really 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 tragic but this was a man terrified he was being shot at. he was literally being shot at and pursued by crazed by parents and two young girls by this guy and, and the 911 dispatcher told them multiple times to stop stop chasing him he's scared <laughs> like wait for the cops so then um you know he's arrested later on they go to court he uh fred rice testifies on the stand um that there's no like that he for sure hit her on purpose because he got charged with second degree murder and that he could have avoided hitting her, but he chose, he basically chose not to. And that there is no standard reaction time, which was in opposition to an expert's testimony, um, who wasn't a cop who said that there's no way he could have avoided hitting her. The standard reaction time, like the standard reaction time was what? One point, seven five or i don't remember and then whatever reaction time he needed to avoid hitting her was like half of that or something like that um and fred rice said those things despite his curriculum oh it was the crash debris too yeah. that you couldn't you couldn't depend on crash debris to tell you where the collision happened and that's not true and that's not what he teaches and because explain that they uh, the jury believed the cop's statement over they did. an expert doctor. Yeah. A doctor. Open the email I sent you. I don't understand. In, in I feel like we're in upside down world again where you have people who are more willing to believe police officers over doctor, scientists, experts. What is going on? I don't get it. Which one? Uh, open the document. Two. So, um, I know the only person I know of that has talked about this case before was Get a Clue when he was still on YouTube. Um, and, um, 
you know, we're going to miss him on YouTube, but I did want to give him a shout out that he is still on his uh, blog on what is that thing called it? Substack. Yeah. And he's making it a paid service. So, um, you know, yeah, good for him. And I suggest you check him out. Get a clue. If you ever want to come back and you want to know how to not have people who flag content hold you back, just reach out, man. I tried leaving a comment to let you know. Um, but there, uh, you know, we got some cheat codes where it actually ends up helping us when someone flags our content. We get a boost in subs, big time, big time. Every time we get flagged, we get a mega boost in subs. So it it's just going to end up leveling out. But, uh, you know, if you want to come back, reach out. So, um, hold on. Where's this? Everything's in the way. So, yeah, the jury believes Fred Rice over the doctor and Fred Rice. I mean, yeah, he he was teaching trash, uh, trash, crash reconstruction to other officers. He had made a curriculum. Um, he testified in other cases and he is, I guess, considered an expert, but his testimony directly conflicted with things that he claimed in other cases where he took the stand directly contradicted it and in his own curriculum where he states a standard reaction time so and it's like it's literally only like a, a millisecond off from what the doctor said was a standard reaction time so ann taylor proved he lied got the case overturned and he got a retrial however in the retrial he was convicted again and I, I am curious if you guys feel that somebody who had a road rage incident where they banged on a window and yelled at somebody should be in prison because they were being pursued by two car fill, two cars full of people. Okay. And they're chasing them and pull a gun on them and they're trying to get away. That entire time, yeah. I feel like they have not a shred of proof that he was ever being aggressive and other than that first initial time. The whole time he was evading, he was running away and they were pursuing him. Should he be in prison because he ran over her because he was getting shot and she was in the way and he had no way of avoiding it? Yeah, I think they should have handled those cases. I mean, mm, all right, better. Uh, I think they should have handled those situations as two different situations. To me, what it sounds like is they bundled it into one situation. So, like, the only way that it would be justified in this way is if, for whatever reason, they could make it look like the shooting was in self-defense. However... Uh, multiple minutes, like 30 minutes had gone between the point of him hitting their window and the shooting. So um, those are two completely different situations. The aggression already happened and they could have charged him with, you know, something threatening, whatever. Uh, and when they started chasing him, I believe they should have been 
in trouble in that situation because he was trying to get away. It was very clear he was trying to get away. Therefore, he was no longer the aggressor in that situation. Yeah, so I think it's ridiculous. I don't think he should have went to prison for it. Um, and police lied. I honestly, I, I think that this, yeah, and police, an ISP officer, a corporal, lied on the stand intentionally. It was proven in court. Uh, so look at this. This is cover up by the ISP. They're trying to cover it up. I know. So, police crash. That, wait, do you think they're trying to cover it up? Think about this. Do you think they're trying to cover it up? Or do you think they're trying to make it to where he can testify again? Because, you know, the whole time before this, uh, that officer was on paid leave. He got like 13 months of paid leave. Yeah, I think they were trying to cover it up. Mm. So crash expert didn't lie in fatal 2006 case. Boise, the state... <sighs> The Idaho State Police has determined that its top accident reconstruction expert did not lie on the witness stand in 2000 in a 2006 second degree murder trial. The agency on Friday released the results of its internal <laughs> investigation into testimony provided by Corporal Fred Rice, a 25 year ISP veteran. Rice was put on paid administrative leave in June after the Idaho Supreme Court suggested he perjured himself in a fatal road rage case. So the Supreme Court literally ruled that he lied. And then the state police after that come out and say he didn't. I know. You're telling me that's not a cover up? The Supreme Court ruled he lied. The case got overturned. Yep. And then this was 12 months later. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> so don't tell me 25 it's years. It's not a cover up. They just look dumb. That's a long time for corruption. Yeah. 25 years. And this isn't even in the moment. Make a mistake. This is planned yep. lying on the stand. Yep. This is such an issue. And then what city was this? This was zone one, too, right? I think so. Kootenay. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, I, Ann Taylor, Kootenay County. I, I think that might be zone where. Uh, I'll Pull up later. the zone map. Yeah. Get a clue is just very passionate. Like when he says he's not in it for the sub subscribers and he's in it for, um, I, I think it's just a passion. It, like he is passionate. Like he does it because he cares. I do believe that. District one services in Kootenay. Yep. Benoit Bonner boundary show shown district two Latop Lewis Nez. Purse, Clearwater, Adams, and Idaho. And District 3 is Ada, Adams, Boise, Canyon, Elmore, Jam, Oi, Payot. I'm hacking these. Sorry, guys, if you're from there. Um, but anyways. So District 1 and 2 are the ones we're most concerned with because that's Bonners Ferry and Moscow. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And exactly. Coeur d'Alene. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is. So where'd my tab go? I don't, I don't know. Just click on them. Figure it out. Okay. You got to share it. I know. So, yeah, he was put on paid administrative leave after the Idaho Supreme Court said he no perjured way. himself. Scott Green said ISP volunteered their services. Unpaid and stayed at the WI that dorms. is so shady. Wow. Volunteered their services for what, though? Like campus security? What? No, ISP was heavily involved in the Idaho. I know case. that, but they also said they had ISP. Why else stay in the dorms? They said they had ISP officers serving as security for the college during that time too, though. Okay, well, they also had them heavily yeah, involved in the I investigation. Know. Um, in making that finding, the high court ordered a new trial for Jonathan Ellington, who was convicted for running over a woman during a New Year's Day encounter. On Akutne County Highway, uh, ISP director, uh, what is that? Colonel. That's Colonel? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. Colonel Jerry Russell said he was determined that Rice did not lie during any portion of the testimony called into question by the high court. At issue was Rice's testimony about debris field and something called perception reaction time, the time it takes a driver to perceive a threat and react to it. Ellington's attorneys contended his testimony conflicted with testimony he'd given in other cases as well with training materials prepared by Rice and used to teach courses on the subject. Rice told the Associated Press that he didn't fault the Supreme uh, Idaho Supreme Court for its ruling <sighs> since he said the justices must decide case uh, case cases based on only the record presented to them. That's so shady. Rice wasn't even told about the appeal until after the high court hearing, he said. He wasn't told till after the hearing. The problem, Rice said, is that the Kootenai County Prosecutor's Office didn't contact him a few years ago when the appeal was first filed. He didn't know anyone was ever questioning the accuracy of his testimony until after the Idaho Supreme Court hearing. We could have put an end to this back at the beginning with an affidavit, Rice said. Why? So you could lie more? Yeah, that's insane. That is insane. So Rice contended that Eric Letton, the appellate public defender who represented Ellington on the appeal, used just one PowerPoint slide out of roughly 700 Rice uses in his classes to try to show his testimony was wrong. He didn't need 700. Yeah. He was proving two points, which is that you use a standard reaction time that you claim didn't exist, and you claimed you can't determine the site of a crash based on debris, which is not what your curriculum says. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. I don't I don't even know why they use the 700 slides. It's pointless. Pointless. So that's so dumb. Like, yeah, teach my whole curriculum to the court. Uh, Rice says Linton also characterized the slide as teaching the average reaction time when in fact the word average isn't found on the slide at all. The word average? He said Ellington's appeal also confused the crash investigation techniques with crash reconstruction standards. 
Yeah, what does it matter if average is on it at all? It's the implication uh, that you're getting across. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you use the word average when you're implying that there is a base standard of reaction time. Maybe he said standard reaction time, not average reaction time. And this is their evidence for proving he didn't lie. But here's the interesting part. when Because I, I read this too. They're not saying, they're not giving an explanation why what he said was true. All they're doing here is giving an explanation why what the the defendant or the uh, the a, attorney a lawyer, the lawyer. said uh, doesn't matter. Yeah. He, Which the, is still a lie. No, if you're going to say what you said was accurate, then prove it. Exactly. 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 Don't just try to discount what that guy's saying. Say what proves that you're telling the truth. I agree. Which he never does. I agree. Um, It's an issue. Big yeah. Time. He said, uh, expert witnesses are generally only allowed to give direct answers to the questions they're asked in court. Uh, in the Ellington case, he was a rebuttal witness, only asked a few questions to counter the testimony of another expert and not allowed to expand on his responses. Well, there's no recording of it. That makes it easy for opposing attorneys to try to take things out of context. Uh, Lenton said he hasn't uh, heard Rice's side of the story. He doesn't know how the Idaho State Police reached the conclusion that it did. It's. I'd certainly be interested to hear how he justified his testimony in the Ellington case. That's something the state could have presented. They had every opportunity to present an affidavit or bring Trooper Rice in to uh, present his side of the story, and they didn't do that. So the state could have contacted him, but they didn't. I'd be curious to know if they if they did and he denied it or they decided like it wasn't a good idea to have him on the stand anymore because <laughs> he would probably just lie more. Uh, Kootenai County Prosecutor Barry McHugh wasn't the prosecutor who handled Ellington's case in 2006, though the prosecutor still works for the office. Uh, McHugh said that because Ellington's retrial on the same charges still pending, he couldn't comment on why Rice wasn't contacted or asked for an explanation at the start of the appeal process. Rice said the five months since the ruling had been tough. In addition for, to working for ISP, he has a business working as a crash reconstruction consult consultant and expert witness. His clientele has virtually dried up, uh, but he has been encouraged by the support of his colleagues. So this is interesting. He said he's been encouraged by the support of his colleagues. I do this because I love doing service for people and it hurts when it gets so personal. My job is to make sure the facts get to the court. I like to think I've helped a lot of families understand how they lost their loved ones and I'm proud to be an Idaho State Police Officer. So this is the ISP supporting him, saying they believe he didn't lie and he's encouraged by their support, correct? Well... Then he sues the Idaho State Police in 2015.
So he's suing Idaho State Police, an executive department of the state of Idaho, and Corporal Ralph Powell. Is that not who was just in this? No, that was uh, Colonel Jerry Russell. Okay. So this is Colonel Ralph Powell, director of the Idaho State Police in both his official and individual capacity. So let's go down to why he's suing them. This just goes over what each of these means. Um, AI refers to administrative incident investigation, which is defined in the ISP handbook as an act or omission that, if proven true, constitutes willful, I'm assuming, or wanton disregard for ISP conduct, expectations, and procedures. That's the only one that I read that I really needed to know, but. Yeah, and the important thing here is that what what Malia is proving here is a systemic problem. It is deep, deeply embedded into their roots of their management. The corruption is right because, like what we talked about in Baltimore, and what we talked about every day this week on the True Crime Talk Show, is that uh, corruption is still corruption. When police officers are choosing not to speak up, if you're a police officer and you are choosing not to say call out corruption when you see it, then you are corrupt. In order to have the respect of that badge, you are there to protect the law, not subjectively choose, pick and choose who follows the law and who doesn't. But objectively, across the board, all citizens, regardless of position, should be adhering to the law. Or you correct that. That is what that badge means. And it has a ton of power with it. And it is extremely offensive to the general public and population and other good police officers when you're disrespecting the badge in that manner, taking advantage of it in that manner. It's insane. Yeah. So remember, okay, so that article we just read about the ISP standing up for Fred Rice was published in 2011. And then in this document, it says... That he retired, that Rice retired on September 27th, 2014. Then a year later, he he sues them a year later. Pension fraud. In 2011, he claims and they publicly support him. Then literally three years later, he retires. And then a year later, he sues them. How... If what he's alleging in this is true, then how how is this lawsuit valid at all for one? And for two, you retired. He probably is at risk of losing his pension. I'm telling you, I guarantee it. I bet there's some sort of stipulation saying that you don't get your full pension if you get relieved from duty, forced out, lied on the stand, uh, do something corrupt, whatever. I bet there's stipulations. So these AIs, which I just described, 
That's okay. So it's administrative incident investigation, right? And it's implicating, it's, it's implying that he, um, was willfully ignoring policy, essentially the rules. These AIs are attacks upon his honesty, integrity, and commitment and have taken their toll upon Rice and his family. He retires in 2014. To place Rice's claims in the appropriate context, it is necessary to give a detailed account of his ISP history. Uh, at the time of his retirement, Rice was the sergeant over a patrol team and was highly decorated and experienced ISP trooper. So, so what? That they're at trying the time to of his retirement, him lying? I don't know. I don't think, no. Rice has testified in over 500 criminal cases and more than 400 civil cases. Yeah, it sounds like a big problem if you get caught lying. Yeah. It sounds like any any case that you've been a part of that you lied on the stand will have to be looked at again. So, again, going back to systemic corruption, is this management just realizing that, one, this guy is going to get a decreased pension, two, there are so many cases here that it's going to cost millions or tens of millions of dollars or let people out or who knows what else the implications could bring to the police department. I, I think it's problematic. I think it's huge. And I think this is, I, I think I saw Jay Ray say it uh, one time in this chat that it's a national problem. It is a national problem. 100%. My sign's sideways. Um, but, uh, but in this case, it, just keeping it micro with the intention of proving Idaho has a very real problem. I think that their police corruption problem is more serious. And I'm I I'm at the level right now with the amount of cases I've seen. I truly believe it's possible we're looking at Baltimore level corruption. Yeah, I think for we might. real. I think we might be. And I have something else to bring up after this. Um, so. This action is brought pursuant to 42 USC um, and is an action for injunctive and declaratory relief and for damages due to the adverse action and retaliatory conduct of the defendants, which is the Idaho State Police, uh, which resulted in the constructive discharge of Rice. Constructive discharge. But he retired. Or is he saying they forced him forced to? Forced retired. Yeah. The defendants yep. have taken adverse action and retaliated against Rice, which violated his rights as a classified employee of the state of Idaho and which violated the IPPEA uh, and his rights protected by the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. So I'm curious, since he retired in 2014, this is the last case he testified in. Curious what happened in those. And it mentions Ellington right here. Mm. So, again, he retired in 2014. Um, he was a sergeant. Uh, he testified in 500 criminal cases. In his 31 years with ISP, Rice was consistently awarded pay increases based upon his annual performance evaluations. Um, so. I say, oh, sorry. I say pull the overtime reports. Right. Because uh, if you guys didn't catch on to that with uh, Baltimore, one of, one of the ways they were going to get them no matter what is the fact that they were coming in and working four hours a day. 
but putting down their full eight plus an additional eight. There were a lot of days where they claimed they worked 16 hours because they were the only police officers making arrests. Um, and it, it was allowed. Like these guys were pulling like 200 K not including the money they were robbing from people. Absolutely. And complete abuse of the badge of the law of our system of the public uh complete militarization they are the law and everyone else is them and uh it's problematic it's it's insane it's crazy and this is idaho this is idaho and uh we are supposed to trust the idaho four case i don't know man but you know it, you know, the people that are coming on to our platform and like trying to give a hard time, like, well, you should let the investigators do their work or you should uh, you should support the police and believe the uh, the the records that are coming out, the the court documents. A lot of those have stopped since we've started proving how much corruption there is in Idaho because there comes a point you guys and I'm not trying to say Brian Koberger is innocent I'm not trying to say he's guilty like we've said a million times whatever he is isn't even what we're looking at what we're looking at is can we trust the information coming from the police in the Idaho 4 case is it reliable information can we trust its objective can we have faith in it Based on what I'm seeing, it doesn't feel logical to jump to supporting it. No, and we're going to no, and we're going to move on to the doc drop and talk Idaho for here in a bit. Um, I try I want to try to get through this pretty quickly. But um, yeah, I'm concerned about and somebody mentioned the DA's too. I, I believe prosecutors and a lot of times are involved in this and they're they're more they have more allegiance to the police than they do the public a lot of times. Um, and that's scary and terrible and not how it's supposed to be. Um, and I think that's absolutely what's going on in a lot of these cases is that you have the prosecutors backing up and protecting the police. Uh, so they don't get held accountable. Um, and they're able to come on as expert witnesses. My issue with cops being expert witnesses, they may be an expert in what they're talking about, but they have an incentive to lie clearly. And if there is corruption in the department, then there's going to be corruption in the courtroom. But nobody's willing to look at the corruption in the department. In a lot of these cases until it's like too late and it's already gone too far, like Baltimore. I know. I know. If we could nip, if there was more oversight and you could nip these things in the butt while they're small, it would be different. I know. It's crazy. Crazy. So this uh, document starts talking about Ellington. And there's more cases apparently he was part of that I want to dig into and see if there's any other claims against him. But I'm just going to stick to this part with Ellington and then move on and briefly talk about another case I saw with the ISP that kind of blew my mind on top of this. But in August of 2006, Rice testified in Ellington, uh, the state versus Ellington, 
Um, it talks about the trial a little bit, and he was the rebuttal, the rebuttal, rebuttal witness or whatever. Um, so following his conviction, Ellington's attorney attorneys requested a new trial based upon uh, what they claimed was newly discovered evidence concerning Rice's trial testimony. He was never informed uh, and had no knowledge that his testimony was challenged in this motion for a new trial. The trial court denied Ellington's request for a new trial, and Ellington appealed the denial to the Idaho Supreme Court. On appeal, uh, Idaho Attorney General's Office defended Rice's trial testimony in the district court. It's interesting finding out the Attorney General's Office defended Rice. Um, when? On appeal to the Idaho Supreme Court, the Attorney General's Office um, defended Rice. Yeah. They're supposed to, like, oversee things like that. They're not supposed to be biased in that way either. Mm -hmm. But they defended it. Uh, however, after the case had been briefed, but prior to the Idaho Supreme Court's published decision, the Idaho Attorney General's Office filed a complaint against Rice, alleging violation of ISP conduct expectations. Um, here, let's see. So, so there it talks about the new trial. Uh, the Idaho Supreme Court's published decision say that Rice had testified falsely and that it is extremely disturbing that an officer of the law would present false testimony in any case, especially a murder case. In this case, however, it is impossible to believe that there was any truth to the testimony of Corporal Rice. It is impossible to believe that. It is abhorrent to this court, as it would be to any other court, that a man can be sentenced to 25 years for second-degree murder based primarily on the false testimony of a trooper of this state. That's the Idaho Supreme Court. I don't know how he's still defending this. Um, so on the day that State vs. Ellington decision was published, Major... Uh, Ralph Powell came to Rice's home and announced that Rice was Brady dead. He said, uh, whether you lied or not, Fred, I don't think you lied. You won't be the state, a state trooper anymore because you won't be able to testify in court. So you won't be a viable trooper. So the first reviewer in Ellington 2011, the first reviewer concluded that Rice should be exonerated and that the Idaho Attorney General's complaint was not sustained. The second and third level reviewers concluded that Rice should be terminated. So in August 2011, Powell signed the notice uh, of contemplated disciplinary action, which advised Rice that he should uh, he was about to be terminated. Despite uh, the Supreme Court decision on Ellington, the recommendations of termination in 2011, the director of the Idaho State Police, Colonel Jerry Russell, exonerated Rice of all wrongdoing and expunged his personal record. So despite all of this, that's where we heard Russell in that other article. He came in and was like, he didn't do nothing wrong and expunged his record. So then he returns to active duty. And for five months, he had been at home because of that investigation. They were investigating him. So he had paid leave all that time. Yeah. 
So, um, I won't, I, I guess I won't go through this too much anymore. It's a really long document. Um, but it's interesting. He comes back and tries to sue them. Okay. I'm not, should we, I, it's so long, you guys. I won't go back into that. But where's the other one that I had you pull up? Where is it, Brendan? Oh, up there somewhere. Is this the one? Is No, no, this isn't the one. It's not mine because it says rice in there. So there's another situation that happened in the ISP that apparently uh, Rice was also a part of. Just, just give a breakdown. It's not worth reading through. And there was a whole lawsuit about it. So this guy right here decided to sue the ISP because this uh, he is another crash expert, okay? What's his name again? Plaintiff Brian Eller. He is a detective for the ISP. He was passed over for a promotion and his crash reconstruction career stalled after he fought back against what he believes was unethical directives. So basically what happened is an officer had his lights on and was going super fast. I don't know how fast, but he was recklessly driving, okay? Uh, headed to somewhere with his lights on. And he's behind this guy, which I think they said his name was like something Johnson. Um, and that guy, he's the citizen, the civilian that's in front of him goes to turn into his driveway and the officer goes to pull around him and hits him to the point it turns that guy's car literally into a ball of metal and he passes away. And this guy right here, plaintiff Brian, Brian, Brandon Eller, he determined it was the officer's fault. Mm -hmm. That it was the officer driving recklessly and had no regard for the public. Yeah. Well, then they... This is pretty layered, and maybe I can do a whole video on it, but he, there's many claims that the ISP tried to come in and cover it up, and he got over, he got overlooked for a promotion, and his career stalled because of this, because he wouldn't do what they wanted him to do, and say that it wasn't the officer's fault. Yeah. That's interesting. There it is. Okay. But I'm listening. Go ahead. 
I mean, I can't do anything. He said it was, um, he wouldn't say it was the officer's fault. So, this is really small. So, uh, Deputy Scott Sloan was driving at speeds of 115 miles per hour. Uh, Barry Johnson is the guy who passed away. And apparently, Barry Johnson did have a small amount of alcohol in his system, but they, like, the people, like, it was this guy and somebody else. It was Eller and somebody else who determined that the alcohol didn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, but, I th oh, Camerack, I think, is the other, or Carmack. Who, who had the alcohol? Uh, the, the guy Officer? who died. The guy who died. Okay. Uh, but he died at the scene. So Carmack finally this is um, the other guy. So Idaho State Police was called in to investigate the crash. Trooper Justin Klitsch acted as uh, the original crash investigator before handing off his report to crash reconstructionist Corporal Quinn Carmack. Carmack finals, finalized his report in December 2011. Uh, in it, his listed causational factors... Uh, his investigation led him to believe had caused the wreck. Officer was traveling at 150, uh, 15 miles per hour from Custer Road um, to the beginning of the braking marks on the Ford. Officer was traveling a minimum of 101 miles per hour when he began to brake. Officer made an unsafe pass. Officer was operating, operating an uh, authorized emergency vehicle in an unsafe manner. Uh, by driving without due regard for the safety of all persons and reckless disregard for the safety of others. So Eller's lawyers say that higher-ups at the ISP were unhappy with those findings, and they called a meeting and demanded them to make changes. I'm talking to you. What? I thought you were reading. You've been no, reading for a long time. So. I am not reading. Okay. I was only reading those points right there. Okay. What was it? I just have ADHD. I can't sit still. What? I mean, you weren't listening at all. So he made an unsafe pass. He was going over 100 miles an hour. And then once this report came out, the higher-ups at the ISP weren't happy with it. And they decided to call, they called a meeting and demanded them to make changes. Yeah. In their reports. Meaning higher-ups of the ISP were trying to cover it up. Yeah. Yeah. I was blown away when I saw this. Yeah, I I mean I don't doubt it. I the two cases we already covered and are talking about tonight, uh both of them include uh higher up cover up. So, yeah, I don't doubt it. I just think the two other cases have actual evidence of it. This doesn't provide evidence. No, I was making a brief mention of it. Yeah, yeah, I this I get it. I was just literally bringing this up for a second. 
that I thought this was crazy too because you have it is you have an officer coming out saying hey they told me to change reports and lie yeah and it's again the Idaho State Police yeah so I'm I'm curious what what happened to him you should do a case on it because it just sounds like a lot like we need to back it up with some evidence because I would be curious one one good talking point here to back the corruption topic that we're on for the week is uh, this guy stepped up and tried to speak out against corruption. Okay, so what happened to him because he was trying to do the right thing? And on the true crime talk show, it's just not the place to research. No, I was bringing up this article just for a second, and I just wanted to show it's another case where you have somebody claiming, and it's even a person who worked in the ISP saying they're trying to cover this up to protect another officer. And what happened to me? They completely stalled my career and wouldn't give me a promotion. Yeah, you're not one of the boys anymore. So so that is terrifying. That is what happens and why good officers don't want to talk. Good officers don't want to speak up when there's corruption going on, not only because, you know, the brothers in blue always have each other's backs, but also because even if they don't feel that way and they don't agree with it, they don't want to be retaliated against. Yeah. Yeah, you you guys, I, I'll make a quick comment on uh, the the getting unsubbed thing. So uh, I got the breakdown on exactly what it is. If you're not <laughs> active on the channels that you're subscribed to, meaning you're not hitting like, you're not commenting, you become uh, you become an inactive person on the channel now. YouTube is actively trying to control the amount of profiles that people have that do mass reporting. Um, And this is one of the ways that they do it, where if one of your profiles is subbed to one of the pages, um, it will... When when the content creator uploads content, and this is straight from Google, this is 100% what it is. It's not a maybe. This is 100%. I got confirmation. Uh, when the content creator uploads content, okay, to YouTube, it it sparks your profile to look for people that are not active subscribers and it kicks them off every single time content is uploaded. So stay active, like make sure you're hitting a like or a dislike. Like uh, if you like the video, awesome. If you don't let us know too, you know, Um, but make sure you're staying active and engaged on the channel. Otherwise it will remove you. It will unsub you when content is uploaded. Frustrating. Right? So they're trying to fix it? Or no? No. That's how they're keeping it. Oh, okay. So, anyway, moving on from that, um, as far as the Ellington case and the Fred Rice thing... I, I'm not 100% sure what to make of it yet. I want to dig more into his other cases 
to truly understand who Fred Rice is and if there's any other allegations against him. Um, and if it's possible that um, we're looking at a bunch of officers in these zones that know each other. You know, mm -hmm. like I, we need to find out more how they operate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's absolutely absurd for the Supreme Court to say out that to come out and say, like, there is n no possible way to assume that he wasn't lying. And then the Idaho State Police to come out and exonerate him, essentially, and say he wasn't lying. Yeah. That's yeah. absurd. Mm -hmm. It feels like cover up. Yeah. And then he tried to sue them. I don't think that lawsuit went through. But I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he actually tried to sue him. He he just tried to get what he wanted, which is his pension. So when you're forced to retire, you don't get your pension. No, I don't think that's what it is. He was uh, being blamed for lying. Yeah, but he retired. Yeah, I get it, but that doesn't change anything. So what did you he don't want? get to be a corrupt cop and then retire and you're in the clear. That's not how it works. So then how does it work? It, if the same way as it does with criminals, as long as it's within the statutes of limitation, you can be charged with it. So what he didn't cops want to be charged? get held accountable the same way people do. They are literally regular citizens. Yeah, but he never got charged. He got exonerated. Yeah. A lot of times cops don't get charged. They get things like their pension taken because charging brings a black eye to the police station. So what they'll do is they'll fire you or take your pension away. Well, that's what I feel like happened is that they came out and exonerated him because they didn't, they didn't want that black eye. Yeah. Yeah. They probably. went against what the Supreme well, court said. I think they did that because he sued them. No, that they stated that be years before he sued them. Okay. They came out and exonerated him in 2011, and that that lawsuit's from 2015. Okay. And that's when it was started. That was the date I saw. Okay, that's fine. We can look it up later. It's not worth going researching now. Not on this show. But yeah. I mean, there's. This is the only show we look through documents on, so. Is this the new Koberger document? Yeah. Okay, you should share it. So we'll move on from that. Um, and we'll go into the doc drop because it's a juicy one. Yeah. I was blown away when I read this uh, this morning. I'm sure you guys have already seen it for the most part or at least heard it talked about a little bit. Everybody's talking about it because it's absolutely nuts. But it's nice and short, but very to the point. Oh, I have a I have an account that I'm subbed to probably like. It, I've had it for so many years, like probably since YouTube's inception, to be honest. And I'm so it, it's followed me throughout like my teenage. Ooh, sorry if that was loud. Uh, my teenage. 
and adult life and i'm probably subbed to like 300 people on there and i'm not active in any of them and i don't get unsubscribed i don't think i wish they would unsubscribe me so i don't have to go through it and unsubscribe all right so in the district court of the second judicial district state of idaho and in for the county of latas state of idaho versus brian c koberger Comes now, Brian C. Koberger, by and through his attorney, Ann C. Taylor, public defender, and hereby moves the court for an order to unseal the defendant's motion to reconsider orders denying motions to dismiss indictment and in the alternative for permission to appeal from interoculary orders in a stay of proceedings filed with the court on 12-21-23 and the state's objection to this motion that was filed with court on 1-5-24. <coughs> Excuse me. This motion is made on the grounds that the pleading and hearing thereon do not need to be sealed. Do not need to be sealed. Previous motions related to the grand jury proceedings were properly sealed pursuant to ICAR 32, Idaho Criminal Rule 6, and the court's order relating to grand jury proceedings. The pending proceedings brought by motion and supported by pleadings do not meet the language of the rule. The issues for the court to decide are procedural and legal and do not delve into areas covered by rule and order. Mr. Koberger sought sealings of his file solely based on email communications with the Lataw County Prosecutor's Office stating they wanted the filing sealed. The deadline for Mr. Koberger's motion was imminent. Thus, in an abundance of caution, the defense filed a motion to seal. Counsel for Mr. Koberger informed the that informed the Lataw County Prosecutor's Office a motion to unseal was forthcoming. Mr. Koberger moves the court to unseal the proceedings and filings on the basis that these filings and proceedings are not covered within ICAR 32. Mr. Koberger acknowledges the right of the public to be fully informed of the issues. Mr. Koberger has a right for the rule to apply as it is written rather than dis disadvantage him with items remain remaining sealed that are not within the scope of ICAR 32. Bam. Interesting. So I'm curious what uh, everyone thinks. <clears throat> I think that it's really odd that they were emailing the prosecutor and the prosecutor was requesting them to f seal them. Like, Bill, these, these, this document was directly calling out Bill Thompson for misconduct. And then Bill Thompson requests that they seal it? No, he's not asking for everything to be unsealed. He's asking for the IgG uh, information to be unsealed. Um, no. Yes. No, he's not. Oh, yeah, it is everything, isn't it? It's not everything. Then what? It said directly here. I'm pretty sure it's specifically about, okay, so um, moves the court for an order to unseal the defendant's motion to reconsider orders denying motions to dismiss indictment 
And in the alternative, alternative for permission to appeal from interlocutory orders and stay of proceedings filed with the court, 1221-23, and the state's objection to this motion that was filed with uh, court on 15, 1-5-24. Mm-hmm. So what it has what nothing to do with the IGG that it, that it is because it has something to do with the grand jury. Right. And the most, the recent motion mm -hmm. for, uh, for seal. What, what are you trying to suggest so, it is? Cause you're saying no, like, you know, exactly what it is. This doesn't have to do with IGG. This has to do with, um, the defendant's motion to reconsider the dismissal of the indictment, which I believe included a sealed exhibit. Now, I don't know if they're talking about unsealing that exhibit specifically or what, um, but I believe that has to do with the grand jury uh, indictment that they were trying to overturn. And I believe that is what was oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. also gotcha, calling gotcha. out Bill Thompson's um, misconduct. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen anything come from uh, Bill Thompson's misconduct. Why, where are you making that connection? Because the the um, the um, the motion to dismiss the indictment from the grand jury. It, those 23 sealed reasons directly call out Bill Thompson's misconduct as okay. one of the reasons they wanted to overturn the grand jury indictment. Got it. Got it. So did he want that sealed because of his own misconduct? Okay, okay. Oh, I don't know why I thought it was IGG, but I got you now. Okay, so it, it's directly having to do with the issues with the grand jury and uh, and those 23 whatever. Yeah, the reasons to dismiss would be the evidence they have against him is what I would assume, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the reason to dismiss is the exculpatory evidence, right? That's what I'm thinking, but... I'm, that's what I think they are wanting out, is that evidence. Yeah. I, in the alternative for permission to appeal from interlocutory orders. So, so that's also that that recent um, document where they're talking about appealing to the Supreme Court, right? I'm pretty sure that's that one, too. I don't know. I'm not. I This is my first time reading it. I intentionally didn't read this until now. So I don't know. I haven't dug into it. Um, I'm not sure, but. Yes, it has to do with the grand jury. Um, I kind of feel like a lot of people have made this bigger than it is because I'm sitting here trying to understand. Okay, so we want to have some things un unsealed. Okay, well, what could the implications of those things being unsealed do? There's already been rulings on those things. Okay, so what is the plan here? Is, is the plan to start trying to 
win over the other bulk majority of the people believing that Brian Koberger is innocent? Or is this with the intent of uh, holding accountable Judge Judge because they feel like the rulings are not being done fair? These like, haven't been what ruled on. Are the, what are, yes, they have. They, There's you're talking about taking it up the chain? Yeah. Because the grand jury has been ruled on. Absolutely. Okay. It stays 100%. No, because they entered a motion to reconsider his judgment. I understand and that, but also it's been ruled on. They're a, yeah, the pre, that motion when they originally did it. Correct. This, this new motion has not been ruled on, and there's going to be a hearing on this, um, what, the 23rd of this month? Yeah. You're selling my point. So it has been ruled on 100%. What they're fighting right now is the motion to reconsider. And that's why I'm asking these questions, because is it a way to hold accountable judge judge in this situation? Um, I, I don't know. Maybe with the appeal coming up, I think that it would be it. It makes things more honest, right? Because uh, when you're trying to um, conduct a case in the shadows, too much leniency and gray area gets thrown into the bucket. Uh, when it's out in the open where everyone can see it, you're going to be held accountable socially to do things the right way. So the ruling, clearly, the defense doesn't agree with, okay? And that's why they're they're submitting for a reconsider. So. Because anytime a document comes out, I'm not, I actively fight against getting like caught up in the drama of it. What is the intent, right? Because in court, every single document is being submitted with an end goal here. What is the end goal here? It's interesting, yes, that he wants this document unsealed. It's very interesting, but unsealed with the intent of getting what goal? Do you think it's going to come at Bill Thompson? Do you think it's going to come at Judge Judge? Do Does the defense feel like Judge Judge is not ruling fairly in this situation? Is this with the intent of countering the, uh, the uh, painting his image that the, the, the prosecution has done this whole time? Character assassinating him. I don't know. I don't know. Well, this paragraph or this sentence and then and then this one down here is uh, the ones I find most interesting that he sought uh, sealing these filings solely based on email communications with the Latah County Prosecutor's Office stating they wanted the filing sealed. Um, and also, Mr. Koberger acknowledges the right of the public to be fully informed on these issues. Um, the deadline for Mr. Koberger's motion was imminent. Thus, in an abundance of caution, the defense filed a motion to seal. Mr. Counsel for Mr. Koberger informed the Lataw County Prosecutor's Office a motion to unseal was forthcoming. What do you think that means? The deadline for his motion was imminent. Thus, in an abundance of caution the defense filed a motion to seal. What does that even mean? It literally can mean anything. 
anything. Like, I've been sitting here this whole time trying to go through possibilities in my head. I'm trying to figure out what are some of the most likely ending points for the submission of this document. What on earth could the prosecutor be reaching out to the defense for uh, and what is the intent of them reaching out? Is there really something else going on here? Is there another investigation going on here? And the prosecutor reached out to the defense and said, hey, defense, you know, we have this, this and this going on. Um, we really need this sealed with the intention of, you know, not letting out certain information here or, or whatever. I, I don't know. Literally, the, the possibilities here could be endless. I I can almost guarantee that people are probably reading this and think, well, why would the defense submit to the prosecution? That that was my initial thought. And then I started thinking, okay, well, what was the goal of the prosecution submitting this request? Is the prosecution and the defense talking more openly than we think because this case, or Brian Koberger specifically, isn't the actual end goal here? I, I don't know. I don't know. We've heard underground... Uh, questions around, you know, it, is Brian Koberger working with the feds and something additional is going on here? I, I don't know what I'm just trying to go through possible theories of why the prosecution could be reaching out to the defense and the defense giving into the request because the prosecution is not allowed to reach out to a defendant and say, you have to do this. You have to submit this on your behalf. That's not allowed. That doesn't happen. You, If you're a defendant, you can respond back and say, no, that's not what's in my best interest. Sorry. No, I'm going this direction. So what on earth could it be that did make them agree with it? Well, that's what makes me think there's some kind of bargaining chip here. That Ann Taylor agreed to it for some reason. I wonder if... Um, it was a bargaining chip for the IgG. And then when she got it back, she was like, and it's it's done and over with, and the judge has ruled on it. She's like, I'm not getting nothing out of these guys. I'm unsealing this so that everybody can see how corrupt they are. It It's possible. It's possible that that is a reality. I, I go back to thinking that from day one, Anyone who tries saying this, you guys, and the prosecution has come out and made it seem like it was the defense dragging their heels. We saw mainstream media come out and making it seem like, well, of course, the defendant wants to drag his heels as long as he can. Like all that. They're just full of it. OK, the prosecution from day one are the ones who have been dragging their heels. So was this plea that the prosecution reached out to the defense for something similar to what you're saying with the intention of, again, dragging this situation out, dragging it out as far as it can go so that people get tired of this, it becomes a, a poor taste in people's mouth, there's less eyes on it globally so that once truth comes out, it's less of a burn it's less of a boom it's less of a whatever it ends up being i i don't know i don't know i'm i'm really shocked with uh ann taylor's background though um 
that she agreed to give in here. Not that I'm trying to suggest she's corrupt or part of the prosecution. I mean that in a way that whatever they were offering had to be something big, had to be something big, had to be something big. Hmm. I know that it says that they informed the state that um, a motion to unseal was forthcoming, but does that mean that they told them that when they agreed to seal it, or does that mean they just warned them right before they were putting this motion out? Like, it doesn't say when they informed them. It just says that they did. So I don't know. I don't know if they told him right away, like, yeah, we'll seal it, but just know we're going to want to unseal it. Or if they did it right before they put this motion out. If it was at that time, then what was the point of it at all? What were they delaying, you know? I mean, I think I think... I think the number one goal in this entire case from the very beginning has been time. I'm telling you every single decision I have seen the prosecution make has always from day one been about time. They are trying to extend and, and stretch and delay and withhold and drag their heels as long as they possibly can. That's what's going on here. Not a maybe. For sure. Go back and look at some of the actions they've taken. Go back and look at you know some of the things they've said in court. You had Bill Thompson who came out and made a statement in court literally making it sound like it was the defense dragging heels even though the prosecution was the one that wasn't turning over evidence. Even though Brian Koberger's human rights were trampled on because he was forced to let go of the speedy trial because they didn't have evidence to mount a sufficient defense. Well, they're still requesting discovery even now. Yep. You're right. You're right. They are still requesting discovery. I don't know what it means. Everything is sealed now. Those requests for discovery didn't used to be sealed. All of a sudden, the defense literally just started sealing everything so that nobody could see anything. Mr. Koberger has a right. Well, maybe, you guys, here's a theory, okay? You got to remember that the prosecution has been following the defense around. I think the prosecution have, has been working really hard to try and find out the angle that the defense is mounting their position from. Um, and, uh, I think not, I think I know that the, uh, investigation team that Ann Taylor has been working with on many cases, there's tons of evidence on cases, uh, is working on this case also. So, um, is it possible they were just trying to keep it hidden until they found the evidence they needed to 
uh, prove his innocence. And as soon as they found what they needed, right, without tipping off the, the prosecution, is it going to be a situation where they're going to now open up everything? Because they have what they needed. They found what they needed. The public's never the one to worry about in a case. Never. Never. Even though everyone tries to make it seem like, oh, how dare, how dare the public want to know that? They're not deserving to know this. Uh, the public's a problem. The online sleuths are a problem. True crime community is a problem. Everybody that's uh, you know, a citizen is a problem. Not really. The biggest problem to a defense team is the prosecution. The biggest problem to a prosecution is the defense team. That is the goal here. The public, it doesn't matter. You got to remember, <clears throat> Brian Koberger and his defense is not making decisions to try and let everybody in to what's going on. Their number one goal and decisions are to be to prove his innocence. Everything else comes second. Linear goals. Prove his innocence. And everything else comes second. In order to prove his innocence, with how we see the prosecution ask, acting, I think secrecy is a really, really, really good angle and approach. Honestly. And just using the visit to the house, you guys. I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed how strange and messed up that was but you know the defense had to put in a request weeks ahead of time to like go a month. into the 1122 house uh they were the only request on the calendar and then the prosecution 3 days before they went in put in their request so they went into the 1122 house before the defense before the defense and then uh, and, and was not on the schedule like the defense was, didn't let, let them know ahead of time. Then the defense went, and then the prosecution went again a couple days after them not being on the schedule in an unplanned visit. So tell me, like, how is that fair? How is that okay? That makes me question, what did they do that would make them want to go in the house before the defense? And after. Yeah. Like they wanted to see what it was like right before they went in and then what it was like right after they went in to see if they took anything. To see if they focused on anything, to see if whatever. Like that is such a shady system. Interesting. It's a really insane situation. So, um, yeah, it's sketchy, though. Like, just like the FBI going to Vargas's house at the request of Bill Thompson, sketchy. Just like, um, gosh, having a blank moment. Oh, like them dragging their heels and not providing discovery all that time so that he would have to um, relinquish his right to a speedy trial. Yeah, yeah. That was messed up. They, I feel like the state has been pulling these very passive-aggressive tactics the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. It makes me really, really curious um, if the judge is even going to allow it. What would you think if he denied it? I don't know. It could be anything. It could be anything. This does not... This does not give anything in here, you guys. Nothing. I know, like... The document could be juicy because it has the potential to show us if there was corruption and what exactly uh, was problematic from the prosecution or prosecuting team, whatever, whoever is involved in those reasons, right? Um, but it could be anything, anything. Are we going to see direct corruption within those issues or is it more like what we're talking about now where manipulating the justice system and not giving them the discovery forcing him to not be able to mount a defense is it stuff like that is it going to be you know uh emails weren't submitted or filed in a reasonable time or you know is it going to be systematic type issues or is it going to be like direct corruption? I just don't know. I don't know either, but I find it super interesting. We're starting to see mainstream type people, um, law enforcement who have YouTube channels like the interview room, uh, changing their tune on this case. All of a sudden, all of them are suddenly questioning the case a little bit. Yeah, because they've been watching Thought Riot podcast finally. And all of you guys are Thought Riot. I just find it funny. Yep. Yeah. But I really did appreciate uh, um, the interview room's recent commentary. Uh, because somebody told me to go watch where Chris McDonough explains the PCA not actually being the PCA, being an exhibit. Um, I went and watched it. I still don't know. Like, I still don't know. I feel like there wasn't, like, legit proof that it's not the PCA. But I could kind of understand what he's saying. And if what he's saying is true, that means that... He said it's not? He doesn't think that it's a real PCA. He thinks it's an exhibit. And that they pulled, I, I, I crap you not, he said they pulled um, a bait and switch on the public. That's. So it's shady. And he agrees that it's shady. Yeah, I, I have a hard time even wanting to talk about that if I'm being completely honest here. And it almost makes me feel like it could be tactful because somebody is talking about something that isn't beneficial to the prosecution. So what would be a smart tactic to make the prosecution stop focusing so heavily on such a poorly written PCA? Oh, let's slip out there into mainstream media or content creators that this is not the PCA, even though it's been represented as talked on and talked about as the arrest warrant from the very beginning. And here's the thing, you guys. 
do we really think a court system, a prosecution team, everyone involved in the justice system is focused on prioritizing what the public thinks over getting your case done? I don't know, man. I just don't think that there's another PCA. I don't think so. I think this is it. I think this is it. And I'm going to keep digging into it like this is it. Because it doesn't matter if it's a bait and switch. It doesn't matter what this exhibit is. This exhibit was used with the evidence in it to allow an arrest of somebody. And the evidence in it is none. Zero. The only evidence that's in it is IgG. DNA evidence. That's it. Everything else is gray and and nothing. Absolutely nothing. They didn't have a PCA upon BK's arrest in Pennsylvania. Major problem. Which that I if if that's the case, then that would be an attack point, man, because again, that is systemic corruption. If we allowed something like that to happen. Hmm. We, as in the American Justice Department, plural. I, I doubt that there's another arrest warrant. I just doubt it. And the reason why I doubt it is because Officer Payne is the leading investigator, you guys. That's not a maybe. That he is 100% the leading investigator. You can see him there in the pictures doing the walkthrough with other departments. Um, and uh, and Bill, you, you see him all over the place. So they had him, what, write a fake one? Is that what we're trying to say here? With what's the intention? What is the intention? I I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know if it's like give them a more general PCA and then put the real details in the real one that show proof because we have a lack of proof of their evidence. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, that was also my question with the redactions. Like, if you're going to make a one for the public specifically, what's the point of it saying redacted? Yeah, I agree. I don't think there is another one. I doubt it. The memory Jennings said the exhibit <laughs> is listed as exhibit A, Declaration of Brett Payne where it could be the same exhibit that was also attached as exhibit A, but the one he mentions would be listed as PCA with exhibit A filed on it. I'm confused. That's really rare. I, I understand that could be a possibility, but that's not like common practice. So this is where I'm going with this. And I, I appreciate you saying that. That's awesome. And and it is a, a way to make this more logical. However, where I'm going is statistical probabilities, okay? Show me another case where this is done. You're not going to be able to because this isn't done ever. This isn't common. When you look at a PCA, uh, 
a lot of times I've seen them everywhere from 1500 pages to a couple pages. Um, and there is not any additional attached documents. Normally what happens is the uh, additional statements made by police are cut into the arrest warrant. Since Brett Payne is the lead investigator, he would be the one that would have all this evidence filtered up to him. So the arrest warrant would be written by him anyways. So he would write a PCA and then attach his statement as the PCA. I just have a hard time believing that. That's that's uncommon. Uh, and I haven't seen that before in the past. So, but it's totally possible what you're saying. I just, oh, it's it not, would be so rare. Well, I couldn't understand what she meant exactly. So she said, yeah, it's not another PCA. There is a PCA with Brett Payne's declaration, Exhibit A. The other court filing is only that court filing and Exhibit A from Brett Payne. Okay. I'm just going to have to go look into the the thing, whatever it's called, to understand, I think. Yeah, yeah. All PCAs have stuff redacted. Yeah, yeah, they well, do for not sure. not all of them, but... Well, no, not all of them, but usually they do, especially in a case that's like this, you know? I mean... If maybe, maybe. Yeah, they do. Like autopsy reports and stuff, like initially when a case is it's, going to trial, they do. It's less common to have redactions than it is for there to not be any. No, that's not true. Yeah. They it redact is. all kinds of documents before they put them out. I mean, the only, okay, you're probably thinking about very mainstream cases then they redact all kinds of things like okay redacting something doesn't mean that they're taking like a lot out of it necessarily it could just be somebody's address or a witness's name mhm mm they usually have small redactions on them usually yeah Yep, yep. What are you looking for? Nothing. But crazy, crazy, crazy. I am interested to see where this goes. I'm curious to see what the ruling is on it. Um, and uh, yeah. What I do you know. think, A.R. Hayes? He said, what my opinion? I don't know if you're talking to us, but if you have an opinion, for sure. And thanks, Darkling. I'll have to go look at uh, Jays for Justice's I video, think video on it. I think they're burying this case and, and dragging it out. That is the goal. Yep. They're hoping that people are less interested in this the longer they drag it out. Yeah, you kind of called that early on where you felt like they would drag it out until there's less public interest. But 
I don't think they're going to succeed at that. Yeah. Unless they literally drag it out like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. it would just be absurd. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know there's names redacted. Like, I understand that. But what I was arguing is this situation. And this situation is not common. It is not common. I, I, I would be shocked if somebody could find me another situation where they redacted an entire PCA, which arrest warrants have to be public, literally have to be public, um, and, uh, and just attached an exhibit A from the key investigator, the lead investigator. It just doesn't, it, it's not adding up. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know PCAs can differ state to state for sure. Idaho just tends to be weird. Yeah. Just weird. I, I'm like, gonna, very odd. I'm going to look for... I mean, PCAs aren't that different, though, you guys. A PCA is an, given enough evidence to our public justice system that... A, an, a lawyer or not a, a judge will sign off on the arrest stating, yes, there's enough evidence in here for you to arrest them. It's very common that they put all their evidence in there. That's when they're sure that they have the guy, the person, the girl, whatever the case is, because they have direct, solid, great evidence or not. But it is not common in any case ever. And I'm going to go try and find one. I, w I will. I will dig and dig and dig to try and find one where a PCA was submitted that they redacted and kept secret and only gave the key investigator's statement. One, the key investigator would be the one writing the PCA, not anybody else. Nobody else would be doing it. it it would be brett Payne, and then to have his statement submitted as a bait and switch it so he's giving his statement on the pca he wrote i just i'm having a hard time believing that because i've never seen it before and uh in my opinion just from past experience um you usually get a pretty good understanding of what's going to happen by looking back in history near recent history. Um, but I'm not, I'm not betting all my money on that. Anything could be the case. I'm just going to try and find proof of this happening. You know, a is for affidavit, which is a statement. That's true. That's all affidavit means. It's a statement, um, which is a good point. I think when we hear the truth, if we hear the truth, there's going to be a lot of 911 calls. Wouldn't that be interesting if there's a lot of them and not just one? Yeah. Um. So we've been saying this since day one that we heard that Brett Payne ha only had two years on the MPD force. Yeah. That that's a problem, and that doesn't happen normally. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about it just a the, couple days ago. We did. Even when we were wondering, well, why would a decision like that be made? Did they take into account the fact that he was military police? And in my opinion, that's not the same. I, I understand that you're police in one and, and 
police and the other, but the policing tactics, ways, management, yeah, all that stuff is done. You need to be a done. detective. Like you need to have time as a detective too, mm. not just like normally when you just get hired as an officer, you don't just get hired as a detective when you haven't had much time under your belt. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And um Chris McDonough, it was uh, it was the stream with him and his wife. He she asked him like if you if you were in that situation that Brett Payne was in, would you have ever gotten lead on this case? And he said that would never happen. Never. Mm. And he all he did was investigate homicides in L.A. So. That was interesting to hear from him, too. Because we felt like that from the beginning. Yep. All right, everybody, that is the show tonight. That is it for Thought Riot Podcast. Wait, the true crime talk show brought to you by Thought Riot Podcast. I never put in any of uh, our information yet again. Sorry about that. I'm trying to get it real quick here. For ya, we do have members only videos, and uh, very soon we are going to be doing more members only content. We're trying to figure out exactly what could be done on a daily basis. That would be something short um, and members only, trying to figure it out. Uh, but we are on all social media, you guys, literally everything. Um, I truly believe that if there are lies in the Coburger case and Taylor's going to sniff them out, though, I do think so. I hope so anyway, but I think so. She's had um, a couple cases overturned that I've seen so far, so. Yes, and make sure you check us out on uh, all of our podcast platforms. So just so you guys know, we uh, we love YouTube. This is when, um, yeah, I am more now. I'm, I'm out of it. It's, it's interacting with my thinking process. Uh, I just got super tired like halfway through the show, but... Uh, I will be back and energized tomorrow, you guys. This very rarely happens to me, barely ever. I think maybe I can think of this only happening one, one other time the entire time we've been streaming. So uh, I will be back at it. No, I don't have a fever. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. But uh, yeah, we'll be back at it tomorrow, and we are going to be on our new set. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be incredible. And we finally have it done, not 100% where we want it to be, but good enough to where we have our actual set. So um, we got all the custom stuff sent, and right when we got our cool skateboard, I'm going to show it off again just because I love it. I've skated my whole life, and now we got a true crime talk show, Thought Riot Podcast skateboard. What? This, we are eternalized eternalized wait everything's backwards in the camera there we go bam look at that Ooh, ooh, ooh! so nice true crime talk show 
every Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. CST live. What is up? All right. You know what would be really funny is if I never skated before and never dirt biked and I really just lived in mom's basement and I never did any of those things and I just pretend I do on the camera. That's totally what I do. I've never skated before ever. I don't even know how to push one. I know the basics. My feet just don't work that way. <laughs> Tried so many times. You got to figure out what stance you are. I quit after I face planted into a ramp and I had braces and my bottom lip literally got stuck in my braces and I had to rip my lip out of my braces and it looked like hamburger meat. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had this giant knot after that healed. I had like a big old piece of like scar tissue on my lip for like a year. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm done. I had that happen <laughs> every time I crashed on my dirt bike because uh, dirt bike helmets. And remember, this is fake, you guys. I've never dirt biked or skateboarded. So I'm just making this up. But uh, <laughs> dirt bike helmets push on your cheeks just a little bit right here there's a big pad that sits on your cheeks i've worn so one. every time did you wear a dirt bike helmet or a bicycle because yeah. they're definitely different no dirt bike my oh, brother okay. rode dirt bikes growing up and i rode i rode his yeah yeah i've snowboarded i've done everything literally i don't think there's an extreme sport i haven't done you guys i would be curious to know if there is one but they push on your cheeks so i had braces and every time I crashed, uh, I, that same thing happened where I'd have to stick my finger in my mouth and pull my braces up off my cheek. Yeah. And then you got to put the helmet back on after doing that. And, and it, it hurts. hurts. Yep. Yep. I'd, so, I've never done that. I uh, There was a time where I used, uh, I have been par paragliding. Uh, there was a time where I used... Uh, the what are those called the bike guards or whatever not rat chasing a retainer no not a retainer um a mouth guard you know for for football uh oh. but it it made it even more uncomfortable because it made my cheeks even wider what is rat chasing i haven't done that just literally chasing rats in, i have been in uh, a race boat before I have. And, you know, I was really, really scared because I have a family member who's one of their good friends died in a racing boat. And get this. So we would always go to Lake Mead and wakeboard and surf behind the boat and like all those things that come with a boat. Right. Well, uh, we had a buddy and their uh, boat went like 180 or something like that. Well, there was a can that a beer that was floating on the top and he hit it going 180 and the 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 can of beer shot through the bottom of the boat hit him in the chest and stopped his heart and killed him he died died he died died true story 100 true story at lake mead so 
I went on a race boat, but I was super, I was scared of that happening. I wanted to see the water so I could know if something was coming. Well, you're suddenly very energized. I'm not energized. Show that energy to Brian Hoffman for gifting a membership. All right, Brian. Yes. Haven't seen you in a minute. Appreciate you. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for gifting a membership. Yes, yes, yes. We appreciate you. Only at Lake Mead, right? Lake Lake Mead has some some skeletons in its closet, that's for sure. And I always used to uh go swimming by the uh by the dam, the what's that called again? The Grand Canyon Dam. Uh I'm drawing a blank. I don't know. But I was always scared that like they would turn it on really high and it would suck me into it. And there's huge catfish that swim by the dam too, like like giant catfish. And I, I didn't want to swim by those either. The story did escalate quickly. What the beer can one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Uh, but. Oh. Like I was there, but not in there. Um, and it scared me. I I mean, I heard of a case where a like a rod that a car drove over, and I never saw this. I just saw it on the news where a, it was a car driving in front of this lady on like an interstate, and he ran over like an iron rod. And it somehow got flipped up in the tire and came straight through her window and and impaled her. Mm. That sounds awful. That's like final destination freak accident stuff. Yeah. Like the beer can. Yeah. I don't like thinking about that kind of stuff. Lake Havasu's fun. Yeah. Lake Tahoe is beautiful. I just wish the water wasn't so cold. Yeah, but Lake Tahoe doesn't have all the casinos right there. Lake, so? Lake Havasu is like Party Lake. That's Party Lake Central. Um, I like Lake Tahoe because of how beautiful it is. And there's like all kinds of fun things to do that Lake aren't Tahoe's gambling. Lake a little bit cold though. Yeah, that's why I said I just wish it wasn't cold. Um, yeah. But it's literally gorgeous. Like one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. Yeah. Like really pretty. Yeah, it is. It is. It Brennan is. just won't ever like it because it has cold water. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it also doesn't have like good cliffs for cliff jumping. Um, it's really hard to find good cliffs there. Have you been? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you went and looked the, for cliffs. The stone the stone beaches and everything. Yeah. So you don't like swimming at a beautiful lake because there's no cliffs? Yeah. If I want to <laughs> go out like on a boat or something, I there's certain things that I want to have and a warm ish lake and some really nice cliffs to cliff jump and do flips off of and stuff. Yeah. <coughs> that would be in my decision. I don't want to jump off cliffs. Yeah, the the <laughs> highest cliff I've ever jumped off of uh 
it it was way too high to measure, but uh, it was probably ten seconds of airtime, so maybe like a hundred and forty feet or something like that. And it was so high that I was wearing. Oh man, my vans aren't in here anymore. I was wearing old school vans, and when I hit the water, it ripped one of the soles completely off of the shoe, and the other one halfway off. Jeez. Yeah. The first time I jumped on it, and that was the second jump that it did that to the soles. But the first time I jumped on it, my knees hit me in the face. I wasn't ready for like how much pressure there is. Yeah, send it to me, Jay Ray. I didn't know that. But yeah, for sure, send it to me. Um, so I'm not afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling. I do not like the sensation of falling. I've ridden plenty of, like, you know, those big old things that like six flags that you go way, way, way up and they drop you down. I'm not scared of being up there. I despise the sensation of falling. Mm. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. I've heard that skydiving it doesn't feel like you're falling after you've like dropped out of the plane by like a few feet. Mm -hmm. Like by, by the time your body like gets adjusted and is like, it's like you're floating on air. It doesn't yeah. feel like falling anymore, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, we, we did. I, I gave a statement earlier, Brian, about the, the ad block thing. So for content creators, it's, uh, it's reducing some, of the views minimally uh it's also reducing the amount of videos that are getting shared by people who are being impacted by the ad blocking um but yeah it it's interesting and it's nothing it's nothing super new what what they're doing for content creators is one uh it like i said impacting the views but when you upload um when you upload new content it is uh, removing subscribers that haven't been active on your platform recently. So it's hurting views and it is removing subscribers from people's platform, which, yeah, it's a shame that uh, that that's a shame. I, I don't think that's what was going on with Get a Clue, uh, because on top of that, you guys, it's not a maybe that we're being targeted. I have 100% confirmation that uh, that we have the things going on that Get a Clue had going on. I didn't ask my contact about Get a Clue, but I would assume so based on you know the the software statistics that I can see from Get a Clue. Uh, and uh, just lucky for us, we can combat that. When people flag us, all they do is is increase our subscriber count like massive. I think the other day, right after we had multiple people flag us, we jumped like 90 subs in like a few hours or something. Watch what videos? Get a clue is getting mass reported. Yeah. Yeah. There's people who target. Yeah. Other other people out there who like to target other creators they don't like or don't want to grow, and they just report the crap out of you. And watch what videos. Yeah, that's what I asked. I don't think Jay Ray is... Uh, I don't know what videos you're talking about. I think she's talking about Get a Clues video on 
why he left. Oh, 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 yeah. I did watch it. No, I just, I know all that from... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, I watched him. He, I think he was being impacted by what we're talking about exactly here. We're, he's just talking about it from our experience. Like, yeah, what, what because we, we get mass reported. We get mass reported, too. And he's talking about what he sees on our end. Yeah. Yeah, people just didn't like him. And it's it's pretty messed up because I felt like he had... He had a lot, of, a lot of value to the conversation and a lot of, um, I, a lot of like facts in a lot of situations. Like he really did his research a lot, and he really cared about the investigation. He's still doing it though. It's just over yeah. on Substack now, and I, I do recommend him. And see, you don't, you. You don't have to do something wrong to get reported, you guys. No. And that so what people do is they'll report content creators because it will drop your video out of the algorithm until a human person, an actual person, can verify if that report is real or not. But the upside with us is we happen to have a contact at Google that you know I I made from my sales days uh and uh anytime somebody does that to us all it does is increases our subscriber count with marketing so no it doesn't tell you necessarily if you're not we just know yeah from... there's other ways you can find out but not it doesn't other people it doesn't tell you straight up you you have to know people to be able to find out and those people, those people think that they can like not get caught with VPN, but they're completely missing that in order to use Google and YouTube, you have to check a certain box that uh, even with a VPN, like. Yeah, there's there are creators who are telling their live stream audience to do that, but there's also creators who aren't saying that who are still doing it yeah. behind the scenes and making alt accounts to do it. Yeah, even though the alt accounts, YouTube and Google is smart enough to connect all your accounts under one uh, parent account on the back end, and that's what we can see. Yeah, it's super lame. Um, I I would never, ever, ever do that. I just don't have it in me to live my life with that kind of jealousy and negative emotions to somebody. I I would rather, you know, do the turn the other cheek unless I'm like physically in harm's way or something, you know, because I just I'd, I'm not going to give somebody space in my brain. I won't do it. Yeah, you're not going to live rent-free in my head. <laughs> so in, in order to be in my head, like I've got to be bothered by you. That's why I don't let words bother me, things people say bother me. I would rather focus on expanding my knowledge, not worrying about what somebody else does, you know? Yeah. If I'm confident with 
with my alien self my weird self if there's a real reason to report absolutely do it like if somebody is causing true harm unequivocal harm for sure report it like i've i've come across animal abuse videos before i report those like in a heartbeat i've come across videos with kids in them that i felt like we're getting to the point they were pretty inappropriate so i've reported those like yeah you know i've come across people making super like hateful um, you know, racist comments. I've reported those. Like, there are good reasons to report. The issue is when you have somebody who just has a vendetta for whatever personal reason and they're making a bunch of alt accounts to report you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. There's people who are known, like, that actively go out there and say, hey, report these creators. And then there's people who aren't known. Yeah. That don't say that, but they still do it. It's more than you think. It is more than you. It is more than you think. I think jealousy uh, affects a lot more people than people realize. But all right, you guys, we appreciate all of you, and we will be back here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Make sure you join all of our social medias and uh all of our stuffs and it they are all forward slash thought riot podcast except for twitter aka x it is forward slash thought riot pod pod um and uh make sure you join that patreon or discord for alerts there is a free tier on patreon so it just lets you know what's going on when where how and uh yeah yeah, so we're a little low energy tonight, but I feel like I have some things I will really want to think on tonight. And, you know, you guys think on what we talked about tonight. I, The document, I kind of want to go back and look to see, read all those ones they were talking about, you know? Yeah. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow and bring the energy. Tomorrow should be good, right? Yeah. You know what we're premiering tomorrow? Mm, a police corruption video? Yeah, because it's police corruption week. Yeah. On Thought Riot. Yes, indeed. All right, you guys. See it's you been, later. It's been interesting so far. Have a great night. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.